G'day, I'm Barry Green. You're listening to Conversations on Radio WA 87.6 FM in East Perth. Or you could be listening via Western Tourist Radio in the southwest of WA or online via SoundCloud. My next guest was born in Waluna in the eastern goldfields of Western Australia and considered becoming a farmer before embarking on a distinguished career in the Australian Army. Major General the Honourable Michael Jeffrey subsequently became the Governor of Western Australia from 1993 to 2000 and Governor-General of Australia from 2003 to 2008. And despite all of this, I think history will judge his greatest achievement to benefit Australia and the world to be the creation of the organisation's Soils for Life. Major General Jeffrey, thanks for taking time to talk to us today. Oh, well, Barry, it's a great pleasure to be with you and your listeners. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a very passionate Western Australian, but as some people will know, because our ten grandchildren are all on the eastern seaboard, we've elected to uh, live in Canberra, but I still visit the West on four or five occasions a year to uh, work with farmers and to uh, uh, deal with a uh, research institute. I set up their Future Directions International. So that's great, and I'm pleased to hear that you still come and visit us. So can you tell us more about Soils for Life and why it's so important to anybody who, basically anybody who likes to eat? Well, what we've got, Barry, is, is 24 what I term leading practice farming, grazing uh, case studies. And each of these uh, farmers and grazers have managed of their own volition to turn badly degraded landscapes into economically, environmentally and socially uh, wonderful, suitable areas, enterprises. And they've been successful because they've worked out that they've had to integrate the management of three key components, their soil, their water and their plants. And if they're grazing, a fourth component, their animals. And when they do this successfully, they find that Suddenly the soil rejuvenates, it becomes healthier, it gets more carbon in it, streams are flowing correctly and, and flowing throughout drought seasons, the animals are healthier, the product is healthier, and as a result, uh, the people working the land become uh, happier, and as a result of that, the kids tend to stay on the farm or take up uh, agricultural activities, uh, stay in the local area and so on. So these processes, I think, of, uh, which we've proven and demonstrated uh, right across the country and have uh, widespread application right throughout the farming community of the, of the, uh, of the whole of the nation to our 90,000-odd uh, farmers, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to uh, expand our 24-odd case studies now to 100 in the next two or three years, and then hopefully to a 1,000 after that. By then, the whole thing should take... Uh, uh, should, that should provide a tipping point to get the whole of, a, of our uh, agricultural thinking changed to regenerative processes rather than what I call industrial processes. Well, that's fantastic, Michael. I've uh, grown up in agriculture, and... Um, it seems to me what what happened over the years as a society, we said research has got to be done by the corporations and they've all done research into products to sell farmers. Uh, what we're talking about is agricultural practice and uh, Charles Massey, who's written the claimed book 
call of the Reed Warbler, A New Agriculture, A New Earth, talks about regenerative agriculture rather than organic agriculture. And my take, it's more or less the same thing, but unfortunately organic agriculture sort of seemed to develop a hippie connotation. Yes, well, I think uh, organic is probably what I call the ultimate, you know, where farmers are, are not using any, uh, what shall I say, uh, fossil fuel uh, inputs, whether it's in fertilisers or chemicals, insecticides, pesticides. Because they've reached a stage in their development where they're not needed, or perhaps not needed in the quantities that were originally being applied. And to me, it's a bit like a, a train journey. At, at the start, you've got farmers beginning a journey. They say, "Gee, things are going wrong with our soil, or our productivity's not too good, or the animals are not looking as healthy, or we're not getting through the droughts, or the streams not functioning." We want to. We want to change. We've got to do something to change. And they get on the train and go through the processes of bringing about that uh, change, which which they do either of their own volition through testing and observation, or in many cases now they're looking at what our Source for Life farmers are, are doing, and then they bring, they uh, work on on that train journey of bringing about that uh, bringing about that change. And some of them will continue on that train journey right up uh, to uh, the ultimate uh, destination, which is uh, probably defined as organic. Some might get off the train at a particular stage and say, right, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. We're not saying to any farmer, this is what you must do. We're saying to farmers, here are case studies in the same sort of farming environment that you are in. Uh, you're in a bit of trouble. These guys or ladies are doing pretty well. And if you want to uh, learn from them in terms of what they're doing, then we're very happy to provide that information and support for you to make those changes. Your career was involved in national security, but um, soil security relates to food security, and the two are interconnected. There's probably no point in having a 21st century defence force if we become increasingly reliant on imported foods. And, and even our agricultural product is so dependent on imported phosphate, potassium, and fossil fuel-made nitrogen fertilisers, uh, which is damaging the soil as well. Regenerative agriculture, to a fair degree, involves using these big animals. And while there's uh, some people have the view that if we all made eight uh, mung beans, the world would be saved. In actual fact, these big ruminant animals, cattle and sheep, have had a place through millennium in in building the soils. Uh, that's all part of what regenerative agriculture is about, isn't it? Well, I think uh, when you look at the you look at uh, America and the, uh, you look at Africa, the huge herds of, of animals, whether it's bison in America or the, the wildebeest or the buffalo and so on in, uh, in Africa, uh, that was all part of the natural cycle. They were, they were moving herds, kept as herds by predators uh, that uh, got their diet from, the, from the, uh, eating the, some of those uh, animals. But because those animals kept moving and dunging and putting urine and they didn't graze the ground right down to the dirt. They kept they kept moving across the grass plains. Those plains kept uh, being regenerated. But if I can go back to your original point about security, 
I believe that the next great global train smash, which is not too far distant, is going to be brought about by uh, soil, water and food security issues. And it's brought about, it comes about because our current population of 7 billion is going to grow to 10 billion by 2050. And yet in the highly populated developing countries, India, China, Sub-Saharan Africa, uh, Middle East in particular, all those countries are running out of water, not just for drinking, but very importantly for agriculture for all sorts of reasons. Many of the great rivers, particularly in China, have been polluted, again, because of uh, inputs of minerals and so on. Arable land across the planet is now reducing by 1% a year. Uh, rivers are being dammed up in the headwaters, the Mekong. Uh, the water flows into rivers like the Ganges uh, are reducing because of the permanent ice melts of the, uh, of the ice in the Himalayas. A whole range of, of things are happening which are impacting on the availability uh, of the water essential for agriculture and indeed for drinking. And the uh, soil itself, of course, in many of these countries is being, being uh, degraded through uh, poor management. Now, I think that unless we, get, unless we really get uh, control of this and work as a, as a globe internationally to correct these problems, we're going to see perhaps tens, twenties, fifties of millions of people, maybe hundreds of millions of people crossing land and water borders to try and find areas where they can find sufficient drinking water and food and so on. And that, of course, uh, will provide uh, social disruption and security connotations uh, greater than any uh, previous challenge that we've uh, had. And the big opportunity for Australia is if we get our own landscapes back into good order, we might be able to produce a bit more food. Yeah, that's true. If we doubled our food production tomorrow, which is improbable, we could feed 60, 80 million people. But if we exported knowledge, we might help to feed a billion people. And that would then make this country really relevant and important not just in our region and globally, and of course that's what I'm—that's the message I'm trying to to sell to or, or provide to governments, etc. That there's a there's a global imperative as well as a national. If your listeners care to look up www.futuredirections.org.au, they'll get a pretty good feel of of the global uh, imperative. And then the way we're fixing that is to firstly fix the paddock through our case studies and then to fix the policy by giving some guidelines to governments of all persuasions and oppositions and everybody else, some thoughts on the, the key policy drivers that we think might uh, uh, help us to handle the various issues that I've just mentioned. Well, that's fantastic, Michael. And I think people might question why we're running this on a tourist radio format, but I, I think tourism has a real place to play because there's been a disconnect between the city and the bush. Um, Western Tourist Radio, we've created the website agritourism.wa.com.au. 
I think it's vitally important to encourage people from the city to the bush and, and remake the connection between farmers and eaters. And, you know, I think uh, if farmers better understood what consumers want, they wouldn't do some of their agricultural practice. And, and similarly, if, if, um, if people in the city understood the challenges that farmers faced, uh, well, then they might be prepared to pay a little bit more. And, you know, the fact is it, it all comes down to money. But while we're focused on down, down on price, uh, inevitably the quality is going the same way and, and unfortunately the environment. So I think what you're doing is incredibly important. You're, right, you're dead right in encouraging tourism into our country areas and there's all sorts of ways of uh, doing that. And, of course, so many farmers or their wives are setting up little uh, shops or cafes or uh, what have you in their local town and, and there's been some wonderful examples of that. But the way I'd like to see it uh, done is to establish a garden, a vegetable garden in every primary and junior high school in the country, a bit like the Steffi Alexander phenomenon, if I can put it that way, in Victoria, but with a slight difference, and that is to have the mandated syllabus through the Curriculum Council such that by the time every kid reaches the age of 16, not only do they know how to plant a tomato and, uh, and get a healthy tomato and the value of healthy food in terms of diet and everything else, but they understand the processes uh, through which that tomato uh, bush uh, grew. In other words, the functioning of the soil, the microbes, Well, I'm sure you're right, Michael, and uh, I hope Radio WA can contribute to getting that message out. Um, it's an uh, interview I did with Tim Winton. I said sometimes these things can be a bit depressing, and uh, but he said, well, there's, you know, there's no point in that. Be optimistic, and uh, we can make a change. And a quote that I use time and time again from Margaret Mead, anthropologist, says that never doubt the ability of groups of committed individuals to initiate change. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. And I think uh, the internet has provided a mechanism to instigate that change that has never existed before. So with uh, us uh, innovative individuals working together, I'm optimistic there can be a brighter future for our grandchildren because uh, there's not much point in uh, loving your grandchildren if you're going to leave an awful disaster for them. Well, Barry, I think you're right. And and I, I mean, these are big challenges, but in my, my life, I face challenges all, all the time. But generally speaking, one's managed to find a few solutions too, and that's the great joy of living. That's 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 where that's where excitement and stimulus comes into life, where where every individual, you know, if if every individual works to his or her full potential and makes their contribution, whether they're saying, I'm going to be the best plumber in the world, or the best electrician, or the best farmer, or the best school teacher, or the best soldier, or the best dentist. If we all work to, to achieve the best, and at the same time look after our families properly, and our street, and our neighbourhood, etc., there, there's nothing will stop this country, because we've got all the institutions, and the sources, and the freedoms that will enable us to do it. And so with this agricultural landscape business, that is that is one aspect, but it is a very, very important aspect because if we mess up our soils and our water, etc., then we 
we uh, we put at risk our very survivability, and that's why I'm taking this particular aspect as a as a key priority. Well, congratulations, Michael. I, I applaud your efforts and hope we can contribute to that. And if you've heard part of this interview or would like to hear it all, you can go to radiowa.com.au forward slash conversations. You can hear this interview and others with innovative West Australians that I've been talking to. Thanks for your time today. And uh, that'll be great. And perhaps periodically we can do uh, an update, uh, Barry. Absolutely. I'd be delighted to do that. Thanks so much. Um, all the best to your listeners. Thank you. That was Major General the Honourable Michael Jeffrey, the former Governor of Western Australia and Governor General of Australia, talking about the organisation Soils for Life. You're listening to Radio WA, telling the stories of people and places in Western Australia.